and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. We're finishing off February this week. Thankfully spring is just around the corner and the weather will start to get a bit warmer, although being ginger I never truly appreciate it, I'm not entirely sure how much I like the sun, but I do appreciate not having to turn my heating on, you know, cosy live crisis as they say. It's the perfect time to start walking your dogs in the mornings again though, but what about ghostly dogs? Yes, this week we are heading back over to Japan and we're looking at the dog spirit, the Inugami. It's a much lesser known yokai or demon in Japanese. Yokai is one of the more common terms I'll use in any Japanese monster episode as they would often either be classed as yokai or yurai, which means ghosts. I did go into them more as a thing in my Yorogomo episode from way back when if you are interested in this definition. If not, please carry on. The Inugami is described as a man-made spirit that appears in a dog form, usually dressed in human clothing or in a cloak of some kind. They are not a specific type of dog, usually it will be considered a Japanese dog of course, so you'd have your Shiba Inus, that kind of dog, but they aren't specific to a type of breed. However, they can also appear as inanimate objects, humans or other animals from time to time. They are common within the region of West Japan, stretching to Okinawa Island in the middle of the Philippine Sea, but only where foxes cannot be found, and I'll talk about why more later. If you've listened to the Kitsune episode, you're going to know what I'm talking about, but I'll get into it more later. There are two separate types of Inugami, and the most common is sadly the most horrific. This type of Inugami is more seen as a type of familiar, which are created through a type of ritual called Kujutsu, which has been banned since the Hinayan era over a thousand years ago. This ritual is really horrific, so if you are squeamish or really bothered by animal abuse, maybe skip the next minute or so, don't sacrifice your mental health or anything like that to listen to how a monster is created. You don't need to know it. I'll indicate when it's over. I won't be offended, don't worry. Kujutsu is performed by a sorcerer and is usually where a faithful family dog is starved to death by its owners or horrendously starving it with food just out of reach and then burying it up to its neck before decapitating it. The head is then buried beneath a crossroads and its trapped soul becomes an onryo or a vengeful spirit. It is then calmed by the food that it had left and becomes loyal to its master again in death. You know, the one that just paid for its murder. Another method is to get dogs to fight to the death and the winner is given a fish, but before the fish is eaten, the dog will be decapitated in its kind of excitement. Once they've done this, they would mummify the head and bones and keep them in a special place, keeping the spirit bound to the person who stores them faithfully. Right, the gory and horrible bit is over. It is truly a horrible practice, I must say. I am glad it's banned. 
The Inagami would then be faithful and serve their masters and bring good fortune to the family they serve. They are also sometimes known to be able to curse enemies with illness or bring wealth to allies of the family. So that's why people did it. There's no desire for ghost dogs, it's pure greed. There are families to this day in Japan called Inagami Mochi families, which are very much frowned upon, but they're also feared as they have these powers because of these tortured dog spirits, and they are usually very well off. Although they couldn't tell people about the Inagami in the first place because of the stigma and the illegality of the practice in the first place, so they keep them secrets around the house. The Inagami could turn on the family though if it was mistreated and would cause havoc around the household or even maul the owner to death. So at least there's that if they want to get revenge, I suppose. But if they were kept well, minus the torture to get them there, of course, they would be passed down within families through generations and there could be as many Inagamis in a household for every person. Of course, there is this focal class point here too, they were usually these very rich families, and as I said, some are still around today. And although the practice is banned and it's very much looked down upon, these families are still feared for having these potentially cursing dogs around. So, it's an interesting idea. The other type of Inagami is a lot better, but much, much rarer, and it's actually a natural Inagami. There are a few legends behind this one, such as it emerging from a painting to scare off attacking boars, or to calm curses and fight their fox counterpart, the Kitsune. Which is why I said that the Inagami will only be in regions without foxes, as they are their natural replacement and competitor, and it is said that they have fierce rivalries between them both. And of course, if you look at just English history, I suppose, foxes were naturally hunted by dogs. It makes sense. In terms of powers, both types have the same powers, but the most terrifying is the possession of weak and emotionally unstable people. Their spirit would enter through the ears of the person and would settle in their internal organs, causing chest pain, intense hunger, jealousy, and the occasional bout of barking. If the person dies whilst possessed, their body would appear with scratch and bite marks all over their body. However, if you caught it early enough, a sorcerer could remove this for you over a very, very long period, costing a hell of a lot of money. They could also possess animals and tools, both of which would become useless and lame over time whilst possessed. So again, going back to that class issue, you can see where the impoverished would definitely suffer if they were cursed by these richer families with the Inagamis. Now, on to etymology. The word Inugami is split into two root words, Inu meaning dog, which, fun fact, is why the Shiba Inu is called that. Shiba means brushwood in Japanese, so they're literally called brushwood dogs. So the more you know. And Gami means god, so it literally translates into dog god, which is the same word backwards, just to let you know. It can also be argued that the Gami can mean spirit, which does kind of fit more with this monster, but the more popular interpretation of this is God. The history of this monster, though, is a little bit more unclear. We know the practice of creating Inagami was banned within the Henaean period in Japan, which was around 794 to 1185 AD, 
but we've not really got any formal reports of this before this time. However, we do have the legends, of course, and one legend about their original creation is pretty cool. Again, we think this is from the Henaean period, but it's of a yokai called Nui, which will eventually get its own episode. It's a chimera-type monster made up of many animals. This monster was made up of a monkey, a dog, and a snake, who was eventually killed by Minamoto no Yorimasa, who was a famous poet and warrior back in the 1100s. When the monster died, the body of it split into its three godly shapes. The snake god, the monkey god, and the dog god, or the Inugami. This one, however, only explains the supernaturally created versions, and not the cruel man-made practice. Although maybe these came first, and people then attempted to create their own version of the dog god from this story. A good question for this monster is, are they good or evil? Well, it's kind of down to the master, I suppose. They could literally work them like dogs around the house, and they can do menial tasks, which in itself is pretty cruel as they are dogs and not maids, but not inherently evil. I don't think there's any evil intent in this monster, but the creation of them clearly breaks their spirit enough to get them to obey the same master who slaughtered it. So it's more of a good boy spirit that has been manipulated by people. We see this in cases of abused dogs though, to this day, where they are still so happy to see people or even their abuser after the horrific abuse at the hands of them. Dogs are just happy good boys. What this monster represents though is the evil spirit of man and how they are willing to torture and kill something that is absolutely devoted to them for their own gain. It's also a symbol of privilege as it was most likely done by these very wealthy individuals who could afford to get a massively illegal ritual performed for one of these spirits. On the other hand though, they do represent the undying, literally, loyalty and love for their families that these dogs have, and generally how dogs have, and as I said, overall good boys. The myth is still very much alive and kicking in Japan to this day. I actually chatted to one of my Japanese colleagues who knew about the Inagami and told me of its significance within Japanese history and culture, which is so nice and it's so interesting to hear about firsthand. So big up my friend Kohei and thank you for your insight here. But now on to modern media. We have a few for the Inagami specifically this week. Don't go crazy, it's not a mad amount, it's not big, but it is fun that we have them for this specific monster. For art, have a look at the traditional portraits such as Inagami by Sawaki Sushi, Inagami by Seiken Toriyama and Inagami by Bekemono Noe for drawings of the monster from around the 1700s. Or you can have a look at independent artists for more modern takes. I'll be honest, I didn't find many for independent art this week, so do have a look at the traditional stuff too. In movies, we have Inagami, X, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Paranorman and The Haunting. For TV, we have Grimm, Inuyasha, Yokai Watch, X, Nura, Rise of the Yokai Clan, Jintama, Gagure, Kukuri-san, Engage to the Unidentified, Inukami, Danny Phantom, and Gegege no Kitaro. In video games, we have ones such as Shin Megami Tensei, X Unmei no Sentaku, X Card of Fate, Luigi's Mansion, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, and Pokemon. 
my book recommendation this week is always the same for Japanese monsters. It's Yokai Attack, the Japanese Monster Survival Guide, and Yurai Attack, the Japanese Ghost Survival Guide by Hiroko Yoda, as they are just fantastic books, and I will never stop suggesting these. I'm sorry, but they're so great. Please read them. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'll be honest, I'm going to say I don't know for this one, because it seems really secretive and underground, which isn't something I've experienced on the podcast before, honestly. Although it is something widely talked about and known about in Japan, it is a secretive practice hidden within the elite and wealthy which I don't put past the upper class, if I'm completely honest. Sorry if you're upper class and listening to this. I'm not a fan, I'll be honest. And if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that I'm usually sceptical to say a full yes or no to spirit types. And this is no exception to that rule. And because it's still practiced, it's clearly a big enough myth that people still believe in it and the gains from these poor dead doggies. It's an incredibly sad myth, actually, And I honestly hope the people who do practice this get eaten by their poor tortured ghost doggies. Because go you, ghost doggies. But what do you think? Did the Inugami serve the west side of Japan? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think about this one. What a horribly sad and interesting monster this week. I really love covering yokai and yurai and this one is no exception. I find them so interesting and I'm so glad there's so much interest in them from others as well. They are just so cool. I have so many more to cover, so I hope you're ready for all of those coming up. Next week, though, we are not going anywhere in particular. More a few specific religions instead. So look out for these half-snake, half-people next Thursday with the amazing Naga from Hindu and Buddhist folklore. It's a really cool one. I'm really excited for you to hear this one. Just a bit of a heads up too. I'll be having my annual two-week March break from the 9th to the 30th of March for my birthday. So I've got two weeks of episodes left and then I'll be off for a little while. But I will end with a bang and we're going to do a St. Paddy's special. So please look forward to that. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. We actually made it to the top of the Good Pods mythology chart this week. So I'm absolutely chuffed. Thank you so much. Super appreciate it. And let's let's keep it there. Come join the fun. Share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes.